Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Today we are starting a, a series. We haven't done this in a while, but the reason why I wanted to do a series is because I feel like there's a lot to say on this. So rather than just bringing everything into one message, why not take our time and look at different stories and look at different examples in which uh, all of this makes sense in Scripture. And our series is titled Painful Purpose. Maybe you saw the post on social media or whatnot, but, but painful purpose. And, and I, I mean, I love the graphic. I, I think there's one arm missing, but it's, it's almost like it's like a fog. It's like a cloud. It's like a pillow. And you could see there's, there's, there's something of pain there. Um, you see the Band-Aids. Um, and, and we're going to spend some time talking about pain. Uh, many times we, we, we look at pain and we immediately think pain is negative. When I say pain, how many of you thought pain was negative? Pain, and you thought negative. No, pain's not good. But for example, I just came off from surgery. But the only way that I was able to enter into surgery to get healed is I needed to first feel pain. And if it wasn't for pain, I would never receive healing. Did you hear that? Geo and family, brother. Big hug. I'm so sorry. Guys, I'm going to interrupt the service. I know we're recording all this. But we have our family from Orlando here. And man, Gabby. Love you guys. We'll give you guys a hug after. Back to my pain. All right. So pain can be good because it's underlining there's something wrong. So pain is not always a negative thing. Pain could actually be a positive thing to get you to a place of healing, to get you to a place of understanding where is that coming from. Yes? Pain could also be a negative thing also. I'm not trying to paint it as a positive and beautiful thing always, but I want you to recognize that pain, I believe this, if you are in Christ, will always serve a purpose. And that is why this series is called Painful Purpose, because there is purpose in our pain, and I believe that. As I open up the word of God, I recognize with everyone that is going, has gone through pain in the text, has a purpose behind their pain. In a few weeks, we're going to pause and we're going to focus on the resurrection. We're going to focus on death, burial, pain, pain, resurrection, and the purpose that came from that pain. So in Jesus' very life, there is purpose in his pain. Are you guys with me? So I believe that. So as we start this new series, Painful Purpose, open up your heart, open up your mind, open up your spirit, because I know God is going to speak to us. But as we discuss this, we are also well aware that if someone comes to believe, they are not automatically entered into a prosperous, perfect, and pain-free life here on earth. We are not, and we will never be that church, and I will never be that preacher that says, if you come to Jesus, you will live pain-free. If you come to Jesus, you will be prosperous. You will, but not the way that some preach prosperity. 
because it might not be for everyone. If you come to Jesus, you know, you will be perfect. You will be in perfection and in the journey of perfection, but not fully perfect. So we, we know that as we study the text. It's rather quite the contrary. I've, I've heard many Christians instead tell me that life has gotten harder since Christ has entered my life. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from believers. That life's gotten harder. So listen to this. <clears throat> the beauty of a Christian is not watching the pain they endure, but rather hearing the sound that comes from the instrument that has endured such pain. What I'm saying is this, that the glories in a believer is not their pain, but it's the product, it's the transformation that pain has brought forth. It's not the individual that, that is moping that says, what's going on with you today? And they're like, I'm going through so much pain. And they're like, why? And they're like, because I'm a Christian. That's not what wows us about Christians. It's not because they're going through pain. But it's the product. It's who they become because of the pain in their lives. That's what wows us. That's what makes us look and say, whoa, what is it in him? What is it in her? There's something there. The instrument sounds different. The sound of the instrument is different now because of what that life has gone through. So if you can testify of pain in your life, I'm wondering, is there anyone here that can testify of pain in their life? Three of you. I doubt that. But if you can testify of pain in your life, then you should also testify of transformation that has come from such pain. You've ever had pain that today you can look at that pain and say, I could tell you a story of what that pain has done for me. Oh man, if I could just tell you who I am today because of the pain of yesterday. And that's what I'm speaking about. In Christ, in Christ, you will soon come to understand, if you have not yet, that nothing is by coincidence. And even when it comes to pain, it serves a purpose. It serves a purpose. And my prayer for the next few weeks is it's not that you are discouraged in your pain. Wow, why would you talk about pain as we're going into Easter? That's not going to help me invite people to church. You want me to take a stack of flyers, but you did a series called Painful Purpose. Trust me, those people that you are inviting need to know that there is purpose in their pain as well. So it's not to discourage you because of your pain, but it's so that you would leave here so encouraged because you're starting to find purpose in it. Starting today, not by week three, but right now that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you there is purpose in my pain. The Apostle Paul is someone that we quickly go to. Yes, obviously Jesus. But I feel like we always pick on Paul because he's such a highlighted figure in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, obviously. But the Apostle Paul, a pastor to many, a pastor to pastors, who was planting churches in Turkey in the Asia, Asia Minor. Paul, who would write lots of the New Testament filled with doctrine. Paul, who was being used by God to do great things. The Apostle Paul, a man familiar with godly achievements. 
I mean, you've heard me preach and say, because I love the story so much, when he's preaching a long sermon and the kid falls off. I just love that story. Because first, Paul preached a long message, so I don't feel bad sometimes when I go extra long. Because Paul preached very long one day, so long that a kid fell asleep of how boring and long it was. And he fell on the floor. And Paul's like, I guess it's my fault. And Paul had to jump on top of the kid. And the Lord used Paul to revive the kid back to life. I mean, that's a pretty good godly achievement. Okay? I'm going to try it today. I'm going to go long to see if Vanessa in the booth just falls over. A man familiar with godly achievements. Yet, in his letters, Paul's letters, we see that he is also a man that is familiar with painful, achieve, um, painful realities. Painful realities. Godly achievements and also pain. And he's balancing his life between godly achievements and painful realities. And it's the, I love the life of Paul because we look at Paul and we elevate him as, oh, the grand apostle Paul. But if you study Paul, he's very transparent about his life. And he's like, I get you want to make me this grand man, which I do honor him. But I want you to know that if any of you think I'm a sinner, I am a greater sinner than all of you. And he's constantly reminding the reader, the audience, like, don't think of me any better than you. This is just a calling that I have. And God used him to do great things. And we see it in his letters. But as God is using him, he's always highlighting, like, I got a thorn in my flesh. I've been beaten up. I, I kind of died, like, I don't know how many times. He's constantly going through pain as he's constantly achieving great heights for the kingdom of God. And I read that, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Because that's how I'm supposed to live. I'm supposed to live with great godly achievements, but it's okay to have some pain too. Oh, man, I'm sorry you're going through this pain. Paul went through it. Jesus went through it. Moses went through it. Abraham went through it. Everyone went through it. So are you. So am I. We're going to have pain while we also do great things for the kingdom of heaven. And that's what Paul's life is about. He's like, I'm doing great things. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I have a thorn in my flesh. I, I got some things I got to talk to you about. Paul, familiar with godly achievements and yet also very familiar with painful realities. Let's look at some of his text before I really give you the meat of why I want to share, share this message today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul describes a little bit of this. And Paul, uh, I'm going to just snatch it from Eugene Peterson's translation because I love how Eugene Peterson just laid it out. So I'm going to read from it. I don't, I do this periodically, but I just think it's interesting. On the message translation, look how he writes 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 33. Just enjoy it. Ready? This is Paul. Paul, the apostle Paul, says, I've worked harder. I've been jailed more often. I've been beaten up more times than I can count. I've been at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes. Did you hear what I said? Five times the Jews have whipped me with 39 lashes. One time is good enough for me. Paul's like, no, no, five times plus everything else that I've already said. In rods three times. I've been pummeled with rocks once. 
He's like, stop, Paul. He's like, no, no, I got more to tell you. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in the open sea for nights and days, in a hard traveling year in and year out. I've had to ford rivers and fend off robbers. I've struggled with friends. I've struggled with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country. I've been endangered by the desert sun and sea storm. And I've been betrayed by those that I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor. Many a long and lonely night without sleep. Many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And then he says this, and that's not the half of it. Look what else Paul went through. And when you throw in the daily pressures and the anxieties of all the churches, when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. So Paul's like, I'm suffering for the sake of Christ, but I'm also suffering with the church and what they're going through on a daily basis. Paul carried the burden of the church as a good pastor that he is. My life alone was not enough, but my life amongst all of you, Paul is saying, because I am the shepherd, or underling shepherd under the great shepherd, and he's put me to, to, to pastor these people. I'm burdened, and I'm, and I'm aching because of the condition of the churches as well, Paul says. He's going through so much. And then he, he puts this thought out there. Because if you thought he was bragging about all the bad things, he's not bragging. He says this, if I have to brag about myself, this is what I'm going to brag about. I'll brag about the humiliation that makes me like Jesus. Wow. So, do you get this? Is this not beautiful? Paul's like, there is pain, there is pain, there is pain. That's what Paul's writing, pain, pain, pain. But all of it, all the pain, all the humiliation, it made me more like Jesus. And Paul understood that. I need the pain in my life because it makes me more like him. More like Jesus. So if I brag, I'll brag on that right there. My pain has turned into purpose. Today's message, today's series is called Painful Purpose. The series we're on. But today's message is titled Pain into Purpose. And that's what Paul is saying. My pain has turned into purpose. He goes into a little bit of this as he's writing in Romans chapter 5. But I wanted you to read that a little bit in 2 Corinthians so you could get a feel for Paul, just in case you haven't. But in Romans chapter 5, Paul kind of takes us through the text and through this thought. And, and I, want, I want you just to be blessed by the word of God. Paul writes this in verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And I'll pause in between some of these verses. But Paul writes, therefore... Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you can say amen? It's a good verse. Positive verse. Very uplifting. Actually, when I read it, I smile. 
Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I say, amen. That's true, 100%. Verse 2. Through him, through him, we also have, I love this, ready? Obtained access. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you like to write and circle and highlight in your Bible, highlight that. Paul's like, we've also obtained access. We've obtained access by faith and into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I read verses 1 and 2 and say, this is good. Amen. I can rejoice as I read verses 1 and 2. We have been made right with God. Amen. Through Jesus, we now have peace with the Father that we were once separated from. How many of you can thank the Lord that through Christ Jesus, you were once separated from the Father, but because of Christ, you are now united and one with Him? That's what Paul's saying. It's good stuff. I was once separated, but then he says this. We've obtained access by faith. I love that. I wrote this down in my notes. I was prohibited. I was an outsider. I was left to die. But now, this is what Scripture is teaching me, by faith, through the Holy Spirit and in Christ, I advance forward. I have obtained. My access has now been granted. The scripture also says that we come, what? Before the throne of grace. And how do we come? With confidence. We come boldly before the throne. Do you know what would have happened to you before Jesus if you would have come in your boldness before the throne? You would have melted like wax. As a matter of fact, Moses wanted to go one day. And Moses was like, let me see your face. And God's like, you can't, Mo. No man can see this and live. Jesus, because of Jesus, we now come boldly before the throne of grace. This is so liberating. I've obtained access. This is liberating for me. This is encouraging for me. This is a high for me. I don't use this word lightly. It's liberating. It really is. Because when you and I were once unable and bound to misery in the damnation that awaited us, I know that sounds very negative and harsh, right? It belongs in a book. But it's true. I'll speak for myself. I once was unable. I once was bound to misery heading into the damnation that awaited me. As an enemy of God. But scripture tells us that now we have, listen to the word that I'm choosing, now we have the ability and freedom to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So I went from misery to hope. I went from damnation to rejoicing. Why? Because of Yeshua, the one that we just sang about. Amen? Pretty good? Pretty biblical? Verses 1 and 2, Romans chapter 5. Dead on, bullseye. That's where I once was. This is where I am now. And I believe that many of us can now rejoice in our hope. I believe many of us can now rejoice in our hope. I believe many of us can now rejoice in our hope. 
All right, good. Just making sure you're hearing that. We can rejoice in our hope. But how about if I tell you this? Wait. There's more to this hope. <laughs> Verses 1 and 2 were beautiful. But I need you to keep reading the text. And go to verse 3 with me. Verse 3 says this. Not only that. Wait, Paul, wait, that was so good what you just said. Right, but not only that. You're like, just put a period there and write the next chapter. He's like, I can't. Not only that. Rejoice in your hope. We all clapped. Yes. But look what he says. What else to rejoice in? But we rejoice in our I know, you don't even want to read it. I get it. You're mad right now. I get it. You're feeling all kinds of things. You also rejoice in your suffering. And then he says, there's a reason for your rejoicing in your suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces, there's that word again, hope. Meaning that hope is still embedded even in the suffering. Hope is related to suffering. He made sure that he put hope in the same thought as he put suffering in. And you might read this like I did, and in my very own notes, I wrote it just like this. I put this in capitalization letters because I'm so weird like this. Ready? I put, watch this deep, deep thought. Ready? I put, no, no. That's what I wrote in my notes. I wrote, no, no, twice. No, no. Why suffering? I'm, like if I'm writing back to Paul. Like if he's going to answer me back, Regal, you know, you should know the Bible. And I put, no, Paul, no. Why suffering? Why pain? Why? Why did you mention verse 3 and 4? Why, why, why? You did so good with verse 1 and 2. You've ever been to a church like that? The pastor's doing so good. And then he got to that one point that starts to, uh, you sh- I wish he just would have not have mentioned that part. Like, well, you have to preach the whole word. You got to speak the whole truth. You can't just, you know, you can't just be duped. Got to hear it all. No, no, Paul, why the suffering? Why the pain? And I thought about this immediately, and I said, I get it, because we can't run from it. Pain comes with the calling. I know it's hard to hear this, but if you've been called by God... You also may be called into pain. Welcome to painful purpose. You ready to take on this journey? Painful. But I don't understand. Why would God invite me into pain? He invites you into pain because it's the path to your purpose. And sometimes purpose won't come until you've learned who you are through pain. So pain is not always a negative thing. It's a needed thing. Because if you study, and we'll read the text when we close, if you study and you dig gold, come on, seriously, if you dig gold from the ground, the gold has no real value. But to get the value from the gold, you know what you need to do with gold? You need to put it in the pain. And you got to put it in the suffering. And you got to put it in the fire. 
Because then what that pain and what that fire and what that suffering does is it melts away all the things that are not needed. And when that person comes out of that fire, like the gold comes out, it comes out refined. You come out with purpose for what you're called for, with value in what you're called to have. How many of you could say amen? Painful purpose. You with me? It's going to be fun, isn't it? All right. If you remain in Christ, if you are in Christ, here it is. The suffering, the pain produces attributes that are needed in us to continue to serve Christ faithfully and effectively on this side of eternity. I hope you're writing notes of everything that we're saying. So Paul writes, your pain will produce in you what? Do you remember what pain produces? Number one, endurance. Oh, you're not paying attention. Endurance. Pain produces endurance. Write that down. Why endurance? Well, I don't know about you, but I'll speak for myself. Endurance because I need to be steadfast in my life, and I need to be patient. The word endurance deals with your steadfastness, and it deals with your patience. How many of you could say, I am patient in my relationship with God? You know what? You need a little bit of pain to build up a little bit of endurance to build up the patience in God that you need. You're like, I'm going to another church next week. No, you're not. You need to come back over here. I need pain to build up my endurance because I need to be steadfast. You know what? You know what I've learned? I can't start this race. That's not good enough. What have we learned in this church? We have to finish this race. What else does pain build up? Endurance. And endurance what? Character. Why is character important? Because we need to be approved. And we need to be experienced. You need to be experienced. So what do you got to go through? You got to go through the valley sometimes. You got to go through the pain. Why? Because when you come out of it, you come out with wisdom. You come out with experience. You come out with character. You come out being approved. You know these people that they get on platforms and they think they're something, and in reality, they're nothing because they're not approved. A gift, a talent, and a person put them on a platform, but have they gone through the fire? Get me with someone that's gone through the fire. I'll stand around that person. Why? Because we need to build up our character. We need to show ourselves approved before God and before our, um, our brothers and sisters. And we need to have that experience. And pain brings endurance, which builds up our character. And the last one, why is pain needed? Character, also hope. Why do we need hope? I need hope. We need hope. We need hope to be joyful. And guess what? Not just when things are going good, I need hope. Because I need to be joyful in every circumstance. In death and in life. In highs and in lows. I need to be what? Joyful. I need to be hopeful. And I need hope to build up in me. Am I just, am I preaching to myself? I hope we're all saying, yeah, man, me too. So what Paul is saying here is, is we rejoice. We rejoice because we've obtained access. We rejoice in our hope, but we also rejoice in our pain and in our suffering because it serves a purpose in us. In Christ, our pain leads us into purpose, and we do not lose hope. Hey, seriously, forgive me for being so like, oh my God, people always mention those guys. The three Hebrews in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were dancing in the fire. They didn't lose hope. I mean, we get scorched just a little bit. And what do we do? We leave churches. We leave brotherhood. We, we talk bad about one another. I mean, we just scorch the fire a little bit. Like, oh, my God, you all stink. 
I mean, these three Hebrews were dancing in a fire, and God's like, oh, I could chill with them. And he shows up with them. He's like, I'm going to dance with you guys. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Like, this is powerful. This is beautiful. Like, like this is what Scripture's teaching us. Like, I don't lose hope. There's, there's pain, but it leads to purpose. Let's keep reading because we've got to get going. Verse 5 says this. Ready? As we keep reading through Romans chapter 5. He says, and hope, everyone say hope. Such a good word. Does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, while we were still weak, Christ died for you and I, the ungodly. Pain, suffering produces endurance. It develops patience. I'm going to read as one Bible uh, teacher puts it. I'm just going to read him. Ready? It says this. He says, most every Christian wants to develop character and have more hope. These qualities spring out of perseverance, which comes through tribulation. We may wish to have better character and more hope without starting with tribulation. But that's not God's pattern and that's not his plan. I would rather have God just sprinkle perseverance and character and hope on me as I sleep. I could wake up a much better Christian, but that isn't God's plan for me or for any Christian. Therefore, we say, soberly and reverently, we say about pain, we say about tribulation. Here it is. Lord, bring it on. I know you love me and carefully measure every trial, a.k.a. pain, and you have a loving purpose to accomplish in every tribulation. Lord, I want to, Lord, I don't want to seek the trials and I don't want to search out tribulations. There's weird people like that. But I won't despise them or lose hope when they come. Listen to what this pastor writes next. I trust your love in everything you allow. Such a beautiful way of putting it. We remain hopeful in our pain because God is allowing it to build up what? Purpose. So here's the meat of why I wanted to do this. Uh, the message, pain into purpose, it was stirred in me because of an encounter I had on a plane with a woman. Uh, last October, I was heading to Puerto Rico for our pastor's meetings in Puerto Rico. And I ran into a lady in the plane. And this lady was interesting because her shirt was interesting right off the bat. And I won't tell you what the shirt was and what it said. But it said something, and it looked some way that you probably, if she walked in here, would not approve of. The woman was full of tattoos, full of piercings. A very interesting looking lady, a little bit older than me, she was full of tattoos, and we got into small talk, and as we were in the line, of course, in the line of the bathroom, and I told her that I was there for a pastor's conference, and she was telling me that she was there for a conference as well, and then she began to describe what she was, who she was, and it was very quick, this conversation, she said that she was a president of an organization that helped people with drug addiction, with mental health, and all sorts of issues, and they would use specific methods that her company had established throughout the states, and she was, she was putting these methods into place, and, and that she was also there to, in Puerto Rico for this large conference that dealt with like mental health, and addiction, and suicide, and she was there for this conference, and I just looked at her when she was telling me a little bit about this, because I felt like it was so intriguing, 
And I stared at her and I said, wow. And these were my exact words to her. I said, that's great. It looks like you found your purpose, I told her. I said, it looks like you live with purpose now. And the woman just stared into my eyes and I could tell whether it was three seconds long, the pause, it felt longer than that. But I could tell she was thinking about what to say next. And she looked at me and what she said to me, Omar was with me, I went back to my seat and I wrote it down and I said, this has to become a preaching because of what the woman just said. And after I told her, it looks like you live with purpose now, she stares at me and her exact words to me were, yeah, I turned my pain into purpose. And I just looked at her and said, okay. <laughs> and I went back to my seat and I put, turn your pain into purpose. <laughs> Period. Closed it. And I said, one day, something will develop. And today, this is what I would like today and for the next few weeks. I like to speak directly to your pain. This is just the introduction. I like to expose your pain. All the things that you taught yourself to forget. All the experiences that you've covered up. All the hurt that you learned to live with. Growing callousness over all of it. How about in this moment together, we choose not to ignore our pain, but cover and cover up our pain. But rather, we choose to unveil our pain and show our pain. Can you imagine what this church would look like if all of us next Sunday come with our pain showing? How are you doing today, homie? <laughs> this is what it looks like. But we don't do that. We cover it up. We cologne ourselves. We make sure everything's fine. How are you? Nah. Had a rough week, but everything's good. All glory to God, brother. Imagine if we don't mask ourselves. Can you imagine what this church would be? I mean, addicts would come in. Prostitutes would come in. People dealing with sexuality would come in and they would feel the love of God because we're transparent and open about our pain. Can you imagine that if we become a church like that? Because they start to say, oh, wait, everyone there can relate to pain. You're like, yeah, welcome home. Imagine what that church can be. I'm just throwing it out there because I don't know what it's like to build a church like that. But how about if we were to do that right now and exercise that? Right now, give you a mic and say, come on, review. I won't do that to you. Review your pain. And you may be here and you may be saying, well, that's not why I come to church. Well, I want to speak to the person that just said that right now in their heart. I did not come to church today to reveal and speak about my pain. Thing is, this is not just coming to church today, and I'm tired of just coming to church because there's no way that this is just coming to church. I'm telling you right now that if this is just coming to church, we should really close this church and no longer have this church open anymore because that's not what church is. It's not just coming to church. You know how many Organizations and people do that. I don't want to take away the reverence and the importance of what is the church. But the truth is, this is just a building, guys. 
Well, where you're sitting in is just a building. This does not qualify as a church because you've heard me say it. It could burn down. And what do we do tomorrow? It's burned down. Our church, really? The building burned so our church burned down? You know what we could do? I thought about this. We could remove all the furniture from this place and add new furniture and we can make it a dental office. And guess what? Tomorrow, it's a dental office. It's no longer a church. We could remove everything and put a full court basketball hoop and make it a little rec center and it becomes that. The building is not living. What makes it alive is what occupies it. The church is a living organism in which is made up to be the body of Christ. So we don't come to a building to be isolated. Come on, for those that just say, I just come to church. I love you. I want you to come back next Sunday, but I do have to tell you the truth. We don't just come to a building to be isolated, to ourselves, to hear some praise music, to listen to a message, then scurry on out, minding our business, and we'll quietly do it all over again next week. Instead, we come to a gathering of believers who are all different, but yet stand on one main principle and truth, and that is our salvation in Jesus Christ with everything that entails. That's our foundation, Jesus. And as we gather, listen to this. Some of us here today, I'm going to wrap this up, check this out, are happy. Some of us are joyful. Some of us are in victory, are encouraged, are, here's the word, hopeful, and are healthy. And we could go down the list. But at the same time, as we gather, some of us are struggling. I just found out that one of our sisters in this church, their daughter's husband just got killed. And they're here today worshiping God. You're sitting next to someone whose daughter's husband just got killed. And they're worshiping in the same worship service as you. Did you know that today? I'm not going to call this person out. But, but that, that's our family. That's our family. At the same time as some of us are, woo, some of us are struggling. And some of us are hurt. And some of us are sick. As we heard from Pastor Leo a couple weeks ago, some of us are disappointed. Some are filled with pain. I think you get it. But we're all in this journey. It's a family. And if you feel like, I don't feel like it's a family, then that responsibility rests on you. You should be working to make it that. You should be responsible that this is a family. And when you do that now, now you notice that in a family like this, we don't have it all together. How many of you could say, yeah, I don't have it all together? And I may be the first one that you feel should have it all together. Me, Pastor Regal, should have it all together. Walk one day with me, and you'll see that I don't. You may feel that I should be the one that should never hurt you. Our family should never hurt you. But I tell you that I will probably be the first one to show you that I don't have it all together, and I'll be the first to maybe hurt you. But in a family, guess what? There's issues. There's issues. There is good and there is bad. Some people in my faith family, if I had a secular and carnal mindset, I would never speak to again and involve myself with them again. But that's not who we are. For example, just with pain, I'm learning that I'm not the only one in this gathering of believers called Nest Church that is receptacle to pain. So here it is. Wait a minute. We come together and in unity, we can share in the glories of our Lord and rejoice in these things, as Paul says. But we also come together in the unity of pain to uphold, to strengthen, and pray for one another's pain and also share in those things. So we don't just come to church to have a decent Sunday. 
We come together with the church to grow and fulfill the purposes of God in our lives. So here it is. I've seen movements and I've heard stories and I've read in scripture that some of the great moves of God has been when his children gather and share in pain. When they come to the understanding that their pain is not to destroy them. Their pain was not to divide them. Their pain was not to quiet them or to disable them. In their unity as the church, they've learned that their pain has purpose. And sometimes we grumble and we cry and we complain and we speak down to and we are discouraged because of our pain. Anyone with me? And we fail to realize that the pain that you carry may be the very instrument that is paving the way for your purpose. You're complaining about the very thing that is paving the way for you to live in purpose. In their unity, in our unity, Come on, this woman in the plane. Let's go back to her for a moment. I forgot about her. If you judge the book by its cover, you may come up with the opinion that she was a loser, that she was an addict, that she was a failure, that she can't be trusted. Her clothes weren't up to par. She had piercings. She had tattoos. She's definitely not qualified for anything good or of recognition. But little do you know that your opinion on another person can be so far from the truth. If you just get to know her, you will see that she has a story and she's been on a journey in this life that has taught her some valuable lessons. The same woman who was once lost, addicted, broken with mental illness, ashamed with tattoos, knew well, she is now running an organization that helps people where she once was at because she can relate and she carries the burden that they carry because she too once shared in their pain. <laughs> so now she helps them with mental illness, with drug addictions, and so much more. And she's placing these kiosks, she told me, in Indian reservations to help the natives with their addictions and with suicide. I mean, she could have complained and killed herself over her pain. Or you can move forward and let Christ heal you and do a work and turn your pain into purpose. It all depends what you choose. So here it is. I'm going to ask the team just to come and we'll, we'll close. Because really this is just an introduction of so much more we want to say. But I need to ask you these questions. Where are you? Where are you? When it comes to your pain. Is your pain drowning you? Or is your pain turning into purpose? You need to answer that for yourself. Can you imagine? I want you to think about this for a moment. I just thought about this. Not in my notes. I just thought about it because I'm a pastor and we're trying to do different things in the church, but I want you to think about this. Can you imagine with all of the pain that you've gone through in the past, if you could use all that for the great purposes of heaven, for the great purposes of the gospel, can you imagine what could come out of this ministry and out of Nest Church 
Because instead of grumbling and complaining about the things that have hurt you and pained you, you're, instead you're using them to shame the enemy. You're using them to give glory to God and you're using them to now live in greater purposes for the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine what you can do with some of those pains in your life? I, I want you to think about that. And I want you to really ponder on that. Who are you? What are you doing with your pain? You know, I thought about this and I said, you know, I could easily close off and cherry pick so many scriptures. And I, not that I'm against cherry picking scriptures because if you're going to cherry pick anything, cherry pick scriptures, why not? But my intention is not to just grab a bunch of pictures, uh, scriptures and see how it all relates to this. That's not my intention just to do that, but I want you to know that it's all over Scripture. So I'm going to do it. I want you to close your eyes and listen to these words. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says this, And you, in all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even through refined fire, may result, here is the purpose, in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let's keep reading. In, in James chapter 1, 2 and 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face, here it is, pain, trials of all kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, here's the purpose, complete and lack and, do, and not lacking anything. But you got to go through pain. Let's keep reading. Peter says in chapter 5, verse 10 of his first letter, And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who's called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Paul writes in Romans 8, in verse 18 and in 28, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those <clears throat> who love him, who are called according to his, come on, purpose. Another scripture Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, he says in verse 16 through 18, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Outwardly, you're wasting away. Inwardly, you're being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary pain, troubles, that's what they're doing. There's purpose. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Come on, how many of you can say amen? As you meditate in your heart, where are you? Where is your pain? Is it drowning you or is it turning into purpose? All I could tell you is this. Open your heart during these next few weeks to say, Lord, turn my pain into purpose. Complete me, Lord. Paul writes, in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. 
He is the source of all comfort. Listen to this. He comforts us in our troubles, in our pain. You know why he comforts you in your pain? So that you can comfort others, so you could find purpose. So that when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Does that not sound like the woman in the plane? I am now comforting others because I myself have been comforted from my pain. As we close, I want you to be honest about your pain today. The only way that you can be. If there's pain in you, are you willing to surrender it and say, God, turn this pain into purpose. Do a work starting today that this pain would no longer conquer me but that this pain would be used to help me conquer other things, to help others conquer their pain. As we just are in this moment of worship and as you meditate in your heart, if that's you right now and you could experience this pain right there where you're at, I'm going to be very honest and transparent with you. I'll sit down with you. And as I heard this message today, for the first time being preached, I will tell you today that I could relate to pain. Maybe my pain looks different than yours, but it doesn't make it any difference. It's still my pain. And I'm still carrying it just like you're still carrying yours. But as we close off, You know the Lord is confronting you today. He wants to transform you. He wants to turn your pain into purpose. I'm asking right there where you're sitting, would you surrender it to him right there? If you want to stand with me and say, I'll do it. I'll stand. Lord, here I am, I stand. And I stand before my brothers and sisters not to puff up myself and say, look at me, look at your brother Rigo. I stand in front of you to show you that I have pain. No, I stand before them and I stand before your presence to show them I too have pain. And I stand before you to say, Lord, turn my pain into purpose. Turn it for a greater cause for your kingdom. Reveal it to me. Is there anyone else that wants to stand before the presence of God and say, I'll stand before you, Lord. I will will reveal my pain as I stand before you. Take me. As you do that, I'm going to ask the worship team just to sing a song over us. And as you stand up, if that's you, I want you just to begin to surrender. We're We're done. We're done for the day. That's it. But I want you just to surrender. I want you just to give it to the Lord. I want you to have an intimate moment with your God. Speak the deepest places of your hearts to Him. And say, Lord, I stand before your presence. Turn my pain into purpose. Comfort me so I could be a comforter to others. Do a miracle in me. Refine me as gold. Come on, I can't pray your prayer for you. But you pray your prayer before the Lord. Bring me Hallelujah. To my knees, Lord, I lay me down.
God, because of the pain in our lives, they're producing in us your great purpose. I pray that no one in here would lose hope. That no one in here would get lost in the griping and in the complaining of what may be their pain. But that they would have patience. That they would endure. That you would comfort them. And that they would walk in the purpose of that that pain brings forth. Lord God, I pray that this church would begin to see the beginnings of the beautiful things you have in store, of the purposes because of the great pains it's gone through. And we could say thank you for the pains of our church because it's going to bring great purposes for us and for many others that will walk in and call this place family. Lord, I thank you for every person. And I know, Lord God, this is a weird prayer, but I thank you for every pain. If it's not time to remove them from their pain, I pray that you would keep them there, but that you would strengthen them in their pain, that you would comfort them in their pain, that you would bring revelation in their pain, that though we want to pray, Lord, relieve us from pain, Lord, the greater prayer could be, Lord, transform us into the transform us in the pain. I pray that for every single one of us. 
Let our pain turn into purpose. And let us be a testimony of that. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. So worthy.